Cool. So in this alternate universe that we've now created, where Guy Fieri goes to school in Hawkins, Indiana. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so much more interested in this show. Um, like, I love Stranger Things, but now we've made it, like, <laughs> diners, drive-ins, and dives, Stranger Things. Diners, drive-ins, and the upside down. Diners, drive-ins, and despair. Ooh, I like that. Hello, and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 23-year-old actor and filmmaker. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hunter Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. I would probably order a chicken burger and fries from Benny's Burgers. I assume he'd have something like that on the menu. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can find attempting journalism and talking about my cat. And if I were there, I would just order my standby, which is always, like, nuggets. Mm. Chicken strips. Totally. One might say. Right. Because it's not a McDonald's. What kind of sauce do you like to dip in? Honestly, I like, I'm going to offend a lot of people when I say just ketchup. That is offensive. I know. Like, everyone's like, they have their preferred dips and stuff, and I'm like, I'm good with ketchup, man. That's kind of messed up. Why? Ketchup? What do you dip yours in? Like, um, plum sauce or, or oh. a dill sauce? Oh, no. Oh, oh, boy. I'm not the one with the wrong opinion here, so I don't know why you're you The only thing me. that I've ever really loved dipping um, chicken strips in was this beer batter mustard from Brewster's in Edmonton. It's the only thing that I've been like, yeah, this is the, this is the tea for me. I didn't expect to have such a... <laughs> yeah, that was a dissenting <laughs> opinion. Weird opinion. Uh... Welcome to the Stranger Things podcast. It's going to be full of opinions. Yeah. Today we were to say about episode 101 of Stranger Things, The Vanishing of Will Byers. I did it. I did it with a hand gesture. Yeah, I they saw can't it. see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought I'd tell them. I feel like you could hear it. Yeah. So this episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of season one and two of Stranger Things. So you've been warned. Yeah. So um, beat it if you haven't seen season two, and then go watch it. Come yeah. On. Um. So uh, starting with the title, it you know Will, pretty self-explanatory. He, Will Byers. He he, he vanished. <laughs> he did so that. Womp. You know Sucks. what? At least they it, like the show lived up to its promise. So true. It was like, hey, this kid's gonna vanish, and then he heckin' did. That's like that's like on Lost when it's like what Kate did, and they tell you what Kate did. Exactly. You're like, great. The vanishing of Will Byers. I wonder what's gonna happen. Will Byers, he vanishes. Friends, the one where Wa- Ross is in leather pants. Mm-hmm. He was in leather it's pants. So true. Yep. I love things like that yep. for sure. Um, would you like to explain to everybody how we're planning on doing this? Like how this is a little bit different from the way that we're doing our other podcasts. That if 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 any of you have listened to them. Okay, well, the way we usually do things is, I'm going to start at the beginning. Okay. This is a very good place to start. Yeah. We break it down into, like, storylines, and then we discuss the storylines, but it's usually on an episode-by-episode basis, and since we're doing live shows, we don't know what's going to happen next. But with Stranger Things, luckily, we know what's going to happen next. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to d- be discussing, like, how all of these storylines, like, impact the show later on, too, and, like, the consequences of some of the plot points. So yeah, that's how we're going to do things is um, we're going to be talking like with two seasons worth of knowledge instead of whatever's behind us. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes we will like recap while we're Mm -hmm. discussing. And for these ones, we will be recapping each storyline at the beginning and then just discussing what happens in the storyline. Yeah. Hi. Should we begin? Um, Yeah, I'm pretty ready. I just bit my tongue. (laughs) How did that feel? Honestly, it's been worse. Okay, do you so, want some ice from my glass? No. Okay. It wasn't as bad as last time. Last time was pretty bad. Okay, so it's not that dire. So why even bring it up? Um, Because I I didn't know if you saw, like, the <laughs> face that I made when I did it. You're just like, I just bit my tongue, and I was like, oh, my shit. I feel like there was probably, like, I don't uh-huh. know, like a real flat, uh, like a flash of... Not even, like, a second of micro-expression. I'm very okay. proud of you. Wow. It's almost like you're an actor. Mm. So weird. Who's to say? Who's to... 
to freaking say. So we're going to start with 11 slash Benny and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so here is my recap of this storyline. Oh my God, I'm ready. November 6th. 1983. Hawkins, Indiana. I already want to leave. Welcome to the Hawkins International Laboratory. Some creepy stuff is going on down here. A red shirt is running away from something in the basement, and as soon as the elevator comes, he thinks he's safe. He's not. R.I.P. in pieces. Turns out there's this gross growth thing coming out of the wall. Must be important. I don't know yet, though. Now we meet Eleven. She is really cool because she's in a hospital gown and has no hair. Well, some hair, I guess. She meets Toby from This Is Us. I mean, Benny from Benny's Burgers. He's pissed because she's out here being a thief. That's fair. But then Benny feels bad for her, so he decides to feed her and try to get some information. She doesn't say much, but she does have a sick tattoo, which gives her her name. He calls social services because what the heck is this kid doing out in the wilderness? Well, she has dope telekinetic power, so that's a thing. Later, some fake-ass social services comes to pick her up and kills Benny. Eleven isn't about it, so she kills them and pieces out. I'm really sad about Benny. Me too! I got really attached to him when I was watching it the first time. Fully. And then he heckin' died. Yeah. And then I was like, cool. Really missed opportunity to make a lot of Bob's Burgers jokes, too. So true. Yeah. Yeah. No. So. It's really just B-name apostrophe S burgers. Yeah. Britney's burgers. Wow. Yeah. I feel like you walked right into that. I didn't think I was. Oh, okay. That's okay. It's because the joke wasn't that funny. (gasps) That's totally fair. It wasn't. Mm. So anyway, um, so Eleven's tattoo. Yeah. Is the thing that stands out to me. Mm. Um, what exactly does Eleven's tattoo say? Zero one one. And that's it. Right. Why didn't they just do 11? What's the zero for? In case there ends up being more than 100? Ew. Yeah. I think Callie, which is my sister's name, mm-hmm. haha, but it's also Eleven's sister's name in season two, mm-hmm. is number like eight? Yeah. I think. And it says zero zero eight if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you like to tell a story? Sure. Um, do you recall being on Robson Street a few weeks ago? Oh, for Pete's sake. Okay. So Robin and I live in Vancouver and famous people are like around a lot, but like in a very casual way. So we were walking down Robson and we both spotted someone and we were like, holy crap. And Robin looked at me and went, are you seeing who I'm seeing? And I was like, yeah, I totally am. And so we walk a little bit further and I'm like, did you see that woman's hair? Like it kind of looked like a poodle. Like her hair was like so tight and curly and Robin looked at me and went that's not who I was looking at and I was like who are you looking at and she said what did I say exactly do you remember that it was the evil like dad scientist from stranger things oh yeah 11's dad yeah it was 11's dad and I was accidentally making fun of what turned out to be his wife his wife yeah and I was like oh I hope it actually was him and I wasn't just dumb and then I went home and I searched up what his wife looked like and it was, and it it was, was poodle, poodle lady. lady yeah yeah and um Ma'am, I'm sorry I made fun of your hair. I was just very puzzled by it. Mm. So anyway, we walked past uh, Eleven's Evil Dad. Yeah, we sure did. On the street. We sure did. Dr. Brenner. So, shout out. Okay, this is a question that I don't think has been answered yet on the show, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if we'll ever be answered. What is, like, this gross stuff from the Upside Down? Like, we know when you go inside, there's, like, this, like, ash stuff that comes down, and that's how you, like, know you're in the Upside Down. But there's also, like, these growths that come out and, like, slime all over the place. Like, what is this? Okay. I always thought that the slime kind of was supposed to represent amniotic fluid. Mm. Because, like, it both, like, takes, like, it, like, sort of, like, absorbs nutrients, like, when it, like, Mm. literally absorbed a barb. Right. Right. And like feeds like the greater upside down. Right. And at some point it like grabs onto Will and like starts burrowing in his body, right? Like he has like that snake inside him. Yeah. That part, um, weird squid fixation? Question Mm. mark, question mark, question mark? Sure. I don't, I, I'm not 100% clear on what the sci-fi slash fantasy rules are 
for the upside down slash the monsters in there because like is it all supposed to be one big monster or is like you know like things like in season two when you see like the little the little doggos yeah and then there's like that one giant creature and you're like are these is that all the same race of creature Mm -hmm. or are they all is that like a whole bunch of different species it makes me think that like the like sort of every entrance kind of looks like like a I don't know how to explain this. It, it kind of makes me feel like it's breathing sometimes. Okay, with all the like wind that kind of happens inside it too. Oh, and there's like if I remember correctly, and maybe I am not because it's been like a few months since I've watched an episode in which they actually like enter the upside down. But um, it, like there's always like this wind going through it, and there's usually like some sound if I maybe this is just in my head but like it, it with the like fluids like you're talking about amniotic fluid and it's like I'm yeah, sorry me, about all the gross words I'm about to say but like it feels like like secretions like yeah. it feels like to me like it it's coming like out of things slightly like vaginal yeah <laughs> like like they enter like a kind of like womb yeah the upside down like that's really like the vibe that I got especially when they go through um when Nancy goes through the tree. Yeah. And, like, they literally go through, like, a slimy tunnel thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so, like, y'all are doing this very purposefully right. here to, like, signify, like, whatever thing, place they're entering is the birthplace or birth of something. Right. That is then, like, put into our world. Yeah, it makes me think that, I'm just making this up, but, like, it feels like there's a huge, like, the whole dome of the Upside Down is, like, a creature and then all of these other creatures, be it like the giant mm-hmm. freaking mind flayer or be it the demo dogs or whatever, yeah. are all living inside of this um, environment yeah. that's like I could, its like own a womb. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I could totally see that. Yeah. So like, but it, a lot of it also reminds me of like tree roots too. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's definitely one of them. Kind of like, um, like an octopus or something. Yeah. But. Weird squid fixation. Question mark, question mark, question mark. I am deadly afraid of like squid and octopi. I know. I'm deadly afraid of them because we happen to live right off the coast of where the giant ones are Mm -hmm. and they're too smart. Yeah. Like Stranger Things I think is what happens um, in an alternate reality when they decided to rise up and take over. They're really smart. I stand by this. I know I sound crazy, but I'm not crazy. Stop looking at me like that. So you're telling me that in the 80s, in this alternate universe, that all the octopuses have already taken over? Yeah. And they're not mentioning anything about their octopus overlords? No. Yeah. Okay. How about you call the Duffer Brothers and ask them? Okay. Okay. Um, okay, next question I had. Is Eleven always wearing a hospital gown? Like, when she lives at the at the laboratory? Because in every, if I remember correctly, mm. in every flashback that we've gotten, she's fully just been in that hospital gown. Like, Ugh. like does she live in that hospital gown? Probably. Does she have any other clothes? No, they probably keep her in a, a hospital gown... To dehumanize her. That's so gross. It's gross. Yeah. Okay, great. Benny loves Jefferson Airplane. Same. Two different times in that, in the episode, Jefferson Airplane is playing. Mm -hmm. So, cool. So maybe he's, like, playing This Is Jefferson Airplane on Spotify? Gotta be. Yeah. Do you think there is a This Is Jefferson Airplane? There there probably is, but also we are, once again, in the 80s. Yeah, that was the joke. Um, Okay, just making sure. I never know with you. Yeah, okay, that's fair. You just but talked like, about o- octopus overlords, so I'm just, like, wasn't sure. You know what? I Haven't you ever seen, like, that video of the octopus that can escape its own cage and, like, slides over to the next one? Yeah. Or, like, the one who, like, would time a guard's schedule and then break out of its cage to go eat the fish and then go back in before the guard returned? I've seen Finding Nemo too. You're trying to tell me that those things in an alternate universe didn't take over the world? I'm so sorry. 
Um, I just called it Finding Nemo 2, and it's you Finding sure Dory. That was yeah, really that was really embarrassing yeah. for you. Who's so, the most embarrassed right now, though? I'm not embarrassed at all, okay. so it's definitely you. Okay. <laughs> I say I stand by it. One time, Claire tricked me into going to um, an aquarium with a giant octopus in it. And? I cried. Well, like, inside. Outside, I visibly backed away and then, like, bolted. There is no This Is Jefferson Airplane? Well, there. I was just at... This is Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, there is exist. <gasps> oh my god, good for me. And the first song on it is one of the songs that's playing in the... White Rabbit. In the uh, episode, which is cool. Yeah, so it definitely exists. It's right there. Okay, I have a question for you. Sure. Where did you first hear White Rabbit? This episode, probably? You're kidding. Well, I didn't know what the song was. Oh, okay. Like, I when I looked it up and then Sam was like, I love this song. It's on my playlist. And I was like, okay. Oh my god. And you were like, oh my god, I love that song. And I was like, okay. I fully first heard it on Warehouse 13. I have never heard, this is embarrassing. I've never heard the phrase Jefferson Airplane until Sam said it. Like, a oh. couple days ago. Like, I had no idea that was a thing. No, that makes sense, though. I mean, it's not like it, people talk about Jefferson Airplane all the time. And the world of music is gigantic now. Yeah. So, you're, you're off the hook, don't okay, worry about Yeah, it. I had no idea what it even was. Okay. Sorry, so where were you when you first heard it? I was watching Warehouse 13 on Sci-Fi. Okay. Um, so shout out to Warehouse 13. Only those first two seasons, though. Okay. Don't clean the room. Sure. Ugh. Okay. I think Benny asks Eleven if her parents heard her. Like, kinda. I mean, epitome of. Yeah. If by hurt, he means, like, psychologically tortured yeah. into giving her, like, telekinetic powers, then yeah, for sure. Her mom didn't mean to, but, um, definitely her, like, this, uh, this man who's kind of- Ooh, can I- Okay, um, spoilers for season three of Lost, but I won't go too far into it, so it's probably not gonna be that much of a problem. Also, Lost has been over for, like, ten years. Right, but one of our podcasts is about Lost and we are spoiler-free over there, mm -hmm. so I feel kind of bad. There's a character mm -hmm. who's kind of, um, a villain, mm -hmm. but he's very- he's a, um- you sure about Ben? Yeah. He's a real complex villain, though, so it's like... He's my problematic face. He's more. He's much more complex than Dr. Brenner. Dr. Brenner is fully just evil. Yeah, um, Dr. Brenner is mustache twirling, and Ben, I think, has the complexity of Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, he's super complex, but either way, he um, also kind of adopts a young girl who is not his actual mm -hmm, daughter mm -hmm. um, and raises her. However, Ben actually raises her pretty well. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. He, he really likes, he really loves he her. He actually um, raised her like a real parent with like real responsibilities because unlike Dr. Brenner, I think Ben actually had some version of empathy in his body mm -hmm. and actually cared about Yeah. So. I was trying not to say the name. You can beep it out. Oh, okay. Cool. And um, he wasn't like a freaking monster. Which is weird, because he also is a monster. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, did Dr. Brenner ask Eleven to call him Papa? Or is that just something that Eleven has projected onto him? Or, like... That's like, a great question. When when was Eleven taken? Like, as a baby, right? Like, yes, she fully very, was just very, taken very as a baby. Young, yeah. So she wouldn't know that people were supposed to have fathers or I anything, you know? I think he like, imprinted himself on her in order to create a bond that would allow her to trust him implicitly and every time that we see him fully just betray her trust we're like she, wow what yeah. a betrayal and like obviously it hurts her feelings but she doesn't know any better yeah so so what he probably does is like a you know classic abuse tactic is he will hurt her and then like give her something mm -hmm, you right. know like he'll uh, he'll be kind he'll give her some kind of, like, either, like, a gift or, like, emotional reassurance or something, and then she trusts him again, and then he turns around and hurts her. So, like, he's got Eleven caught in an abuse cycle, and she's 
a baby. So if I could connect this to another show that we do a podcast about, um, Veronica says, I believe in season two, that every actually could be late season one, um, that every time her dad did something wrong, he would send her pearls. Oh, in Riverdale? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's abuse. That's emotional manipulation. just like that. Because it's like, oh, I can get away with whatever, whatever I want if I'm also kind to you. Yeah. And it's like, that's not how that works. Um, Benny calls social services, which I think is totally the right move. Yes. Unfortunately, they are like tapping his phone calls. And so somebody comes to impersonate social services. I would have called the police Mm. if it were me. And then Eleven would get reunited with, reunited, but like united with Hopper. Yeah. Even earlier. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I really, I don't know if I would have called child services. I think I would have called the police and had them, had her go through the child services system through the police. Right, yeah, and then you could be like, listen, I don't know, like, maybe she does have a loving family, and they just... Like, maybe she's a missing person for all he knows. Yeah, exactly, right. I mean, until he sees the tattoo, and he's like, hey, what kind of parent tattoos their kid? And she ran away in a hospital gown? Like, sup. And he doesn't... This is, like, the thing is, like, if I found a kid, I'd be looking for hospital tags. Right. I'd be looking for the name of the hospital that, like, she disappeared from. So you call that that hospital. hospital. Yeah. There were a lot of things that Benny did where I was like... I questioned it, and then I was like, yeah, for the sake of the plot, he had to do it this yeah. way. But I was like, mm. Also, you know, I was not alive in the 80s, so uh. I, I can't really speak to the um, 80s experience. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe maybe it was more common to call social services instead. I don't know. I don't think that's right. I don't know. No. Okay, I'm just saying things. Okay. Anyway, Benny is a great dude, and I feel sad. Mm-hmm. Especially because he then it then gets like... It's super it. killed. He gets super killed, but then it also gets framed as if he killed himself instead. Oh, yeah. And everyone's so he never like, gets any justice. And everyone's like, he's not that type of guy. Like, like, I don't get it. Justice for Barb? Justice for Benny and Bob? What's with all the bees? Are there any more bees? This is just us staring at each other wondering if there's more bees, and I don't think there are. Me? Beyonce. Beyonce was alive then. I actually don't know if that's true. Alexa, how old was Beyonce in 1986? Beyonce turned five on September 4th, 1986. <gasps> that's so cute. She cu- was born in 1981. Beyonce's only eight years older than I am. <laughs> you could still get up there. You could still be just as successful no as Beyonce. One, <laughs> no one can be as successful as Beyonce. <laughs> so, okay, so he calls social services, and I think me doesn't take very comprehensive notes. I wrote Randolph Lane. I think that's what Benny was saying that his, um, I think he was saying that his restaurant is on Randolph Lane. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you think Benny's uh, burgers would have been featured on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives? Heck yeah. Okay. Alexa. As a dive, you think? How old was Guy Fieri in 1986? <laughs> 1956 occurred 12 years. Ooh, my bad. Alexa, how old was Guy Fieri in 1986? In 1986, Guy Fieri's age was between 18 years and 18 years and 11 months old. Okay, so he was like, so we don't know. But he didn't become like a f- the Food Network star until he was in his 30s. I think what Alexa is trying to tell me is that they don't know Guy Fieri's exact birthday, but they know the year he was born. So he was, like, around 18. No, she knows his... Alexa, when was Guy Fieri born? Guy Fieri was born on January 22nd, 1968. His birthday is in two days. He will be 51 years old. Oh my god! It's his birthday in two days? That's so soft. Oh, it's because I didn't give an exact... Mm-mm. date that's the thing okay never mind either way guy fieri's like around would be like around 18 in this moment guy fieri he could have could have gone to school with nancy wait hang on hang on hang on Kay. further question uh-huh where was guy fieri born because mm-hmm. i know he went to school in vegas don't ask why okay alexa where was guy fieri born guy fieri was born in columbus ohio in 1968 
I don't know where Ohio is. Yeah, we're Canadian. Ohio to Indiana. How I'm just. Far gonna, I'm gonna that? look it up real quick. Okay. Is Hawkins, Indiana, a real place? No. Where did it say it was? Columbus. Columbus, Ohio. Hawkins, Indiana is not a real place. Oh, that's only a two and two hour and forty five minute drive. So <laughs> cool. So in this alternate universe that we've now created, where Guy Fieri goes to school in Hawkins, Indiana. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so much more interested in this show. Um, like I love Stranger Things, but now we've made it like <laughs> diners, drive-ins, and dive Stranger Things. Diners, drive-in. And death. Diners, drive-ins, and the upside down. Diners, drive-ins, and despair. Ooh, I like that. Diners. Str- stranger dives. Diners, drive-ins, and Dustin. <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to say Nancy and Jonathan, whatever. Nancy and Steve, as if. Ugh. Nancy and Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. Of Of course, of course. Yeah, Nancy has to grow another two years before we can ship her with Guy Fieri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, but then it's on. But then, fair game. It's on. When she goes to college and gets away from this whole thing, including both of those relationships, mm-hmm. she and Guy Fieri, OTP. <laughs> Wait, what should their ship name be? Um, Gancy. Guy, Guy C. Gan- Gancy. It's Gancy. It's Gancy. Because it's Jancy and Stancy, yeah. Yeah. Gancy. Well, those are bad ship names. And we come from the Riverdale fandom. <laughs> Us hail from Riverdale. We like, hail- hey, we come from the land of Phallus and Bughead, but uh, Stancy's pretty bad. So freaking Connie shows up. Ugh, Connie. And she's not actually from social services. And Benny even says, oh, you got here quick. Do you think that her name is even Connie? Ugh, what a great question. Let's find out. I bet her name is like Barbara. Justice for not that Barb. Oh, wait, I forgot there was already a Barb. <laughs> Barb Justice please. for Barb. You forgot Barb is here. I try to actively, this is, this is going to be the most unpopular opinion, but I think it's now popular. I am so over the Barb thing because mm-hmm. Barb to me was like the parody of who I was supposed to be in high school, but wasn't, mm. you know, like the fat girl who like gets stitched by the popular friends. And I'm like, I'm tired of this trope. Do mm. we have to keep doing it? Yeah. Also, I just didn't like, I, I don't like Shannon Purser's character on Riverdale either. So. Okay. That's it. That's all I got for you. I think Sam said it best. Our friend, our friend Sam said it best mm-hmm. when uh, we were watching episode 101, and she said, this is her most likable character. Yes. I've only ever seen her in Riverdale and also now in Sierra Burgess. Oh! And, um, Barb is the best one! Yeah. I mean, like, I would like if Barb was, like, magically alive, because I think she was, like, an interesting character, Mm. but the fervor around her... I'm done. That was hashtag too much. Too much. So it looks like her name actually is Connie. Connie Frazier. Oh, that was upsetting. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, my next note is just, Benny was a good man and I'm sad. Mm. Uh, Benny's Burgers shirt. Merch? Question mark? Oh my god. So, are you- wait, are you implying that you want to buy Benny's Burgers Burgers merch? Or that he had his own merch? Both. Um, Eleven was wearing a Benny's Burgers shirt. So he, like, took her out of the- So, this is implying that he was actually quite successful. Yeah, oh yeah. He he was successful enough to warrant, like, having merch. Well, like, when we saw them in there before, there was, like, maybe three people in there. But that was, like, the sl- that was probably a slow day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um... the Karen? As Bob Belcher might say, the lunch lull. Karen says that it's a school night, and I'm pretty sure it's Sunday. So, Sunday afternoon... The lunch maybe, lull! Maybe he just uh, doesn't offer brunch, there you know? You and everyone's at brunch. That's why he's not. But I think his, he's his, busy. it's a pretty successful restaurant, I think. But it's really, now that I'm thinking about it, Eleven goes to Mike and, fr- and co in the Benny's Burgers shirt, yeah. right? And then do the kids not learn that Benny freaking died? 
Probably not. Because if they had heard that Benny died, they'd be like, what they, you wouldn't they make that? Yeah, wouldn't they make that connection? That's assuming an awful lot from kids. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, they're like eleven. Yeah. Or something. Ah, ah, I didn't mean to do that. Ah. <laughs> okay. Hey, so um, do you want to just check the Zencaster timestamp like real quick? Yeah. Cool. 30. We spent thirty minutes on Benny. No, we talked a little bit about other things. We talked a lot about Guy Fieri. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just time well spent. Yeah. Totally. Okay, so now this is the part where they're playing White Rabbit, and it's because they're chasing her, like Alice chases the White Rabbit, yes, of I think. Yeah. I mean, literally, like, the song of Stranger Things is White Rabbit. Yeah. Because they literally go through and end up in an upside-down world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's just Alice in Wonderland. This is, like, the whole thing. That's all I had for that storyline. Do you have anything else? No, I don't have a lot of thoughts. Um, we did have a lot of thoughts. Which is why we wound up talking for half an hour. Right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Robin. I just have a real quick question. I'm really worried. Listen, I know that this is, like, the first episode of this uh, podcast, but I heard you guys have other ones. Um, who's you guys? Uh, you and sometimes Sam. <laughs> Would it be us at the Aficionados Podcast Network, do you think? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we do have, like, some other podcasts. Would you be interested in hearing about them? I would love to. Um, I heard you maybe even have four other ones. Like, we, that's a lot. You know, we do. Yeah. Do you enjoy the show Lost? Honestly, that's my favorite show. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Like, you've already brought it up, like, twice. But, like, yeah. Uh, I think you like that show. Yeah, I sure do. Um, another show we brought up is Riverdale. Yeah. We also have a podcast about that. No way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And um, we also enjoy the show that is attached to Riverdale. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, that's it's another Netflix show. It sure is. Wow. And we're allowed to swear on that podcast, too, which is cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, we decided that we're allowed to swear on this podcast because Dustin swears more than we do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but there's no F words. It's true. Yeah. And then our final one just really doesn't have anything to do with anyone. Um, and it's The 100. The 100! On, on CW. Yeah. I guess it has to do with Riverdale a little. Yeah. They're on the same network. Mm. So those are our podcasts. If you're interested in them, you should go check them out. Finn Wolfhard was on The 100 once. That is a... Accurate there you assessment. Go. I apologize for my inaccuracy. Right. Yep. Um. Wow. So I'm really enjoying these podcasts that you just um um uh, I just recommended. Told you about them. How yeah. could you be enjoying them already? Uh, magic. Of, oh, okay. Magic oh, time travel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm really loving listening to them for free. But I was just wondering if there's a, a way for me to potentially donate because um I'm enjoying them so much. Well, you can put money right in my hand right now. Uh, I got no cash. Oh, yeah, cash-free society. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. If you are enjoying the content that we put out, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash and that's where we put exclusive stuff and where you can donate just like a dollar a month. And um, we sound flippant about it, but actually um, we do use the money to for all our hosting fees to pay all of the things to run all of our podcasts. And hosting gets expensive, so we appreciate it if you have a spare dollar, which Robin says you can find on the ground, but I... Never see money on the ground. Oh, I do. When? All the time. Why don't you pick it up? I do. I've never seen you pick up money off the ground. Uh, I think you're not paying attention then. I'm not paying attention to anything at any given time. Yeah, so what's your point? Yeah, I don't really, I guess I don't really have one. Okay. Um, you also, if you become a patron, you get, um, the podcasts early, at least one day early every yeah. time, but you sometimes longer. Early access. Early access. Cool. Um, okay, so now we're going to do team adults. <gasps> I really love how hashtag team adults is like, we call them team adults in every single show. Like, like we don't have, there's no different name for it. Except for sometimes we call the people in Riverdale Parent Dale. But other than that, it's like always, we just call it team adults because it's team adults every time. First of all, I would like to say from the bottom of my heart, you're welcome. Because I invented hashtag team adults on Twitter. 
Um, and if you actually go back, like no one else is using it before I started using it. So shout out to me. Okay. But second of all, that's what I really love about like these shows that we watch. There is a clear division, but as television becomes more and more complex, you root less for like the kids versus the adults and more mm -hmm. like to see those plot lines integrated way more. Yeah. So like you meet Joyce and Hopper and immediately you're like, I love these characters. Mm. I'm obsessed with these characters. I want to know more about these characters. And then there's more unlikable characters like, um, what? Is it Mike's dad? Ted. Of course his name is Ted. <laughs> also, apologies to anyone named Ted. Mm. Especially apologies to Ted Danson. You're a cool Ted. No, no apologies to Ted Mosby, though. You suck, Ted Mosby. <laughs> That's it? I'm just really mad about uh, Ted Mosby. Oh, okay. I literally was sitting here just thinking about, like, how mad I am about the end of How I Met Your Mother. Mm. Because Barney and Robin belonged together. Okay. And we all know it. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, um, I just want to say from the get-go that, like, I'm a huge hashtag jopper shipper. Yeah. Um, are you as well? Um, I would say that during the first season when I was watching it, I was like, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. And then knowing... After seeing all of my friends love Jopper, mm -hmm. second season, I was like, major rooting for it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I so I would say it, yes. Yeah. I root for it, like, in the same way that, like, you know, I like, like, other ships. Like, I'm not, like, obsessed with it, but, like, I can't wait to see them, mm -hmm. all, like, obviously, eventually yeah. get together. Because in their first scene, this is what I'm always weak for with any type of characters, any type of relationship, backstory. Yes. Oh, it's like, it's so good because, like, the immediate familiarity between them and the chemistry. Between them, between David Har Harbour and Winona Ryder, so good. Okay, that's a th another thing. Is like with, on these like teen type shows, almost always like the inciting incident is them meeting. Yes. Them coming into contact and that's their story. But with the the adult people, it's like, it's like they almost always already know each other. Yep. So on The 100, Kane and Abby is our main adult ship. Mm -hmm. And they obviously have a huge history. Massive history, yes. On Riverdale, our main ship is Snake Parents, which is Alice and FP. We eventually find out that they literally dated in high school. Tell me more about freaking that. And then with Jopper, we also learn that they freaking dated in high school. Hello? Well, I mean, not only did FP and Alice date in high school, they also had a child together. Spoilers. <laughs> but I mean, like... It's Riverdale. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Riverdale. Like, everything happens so fast on Riverdale. You forget that yeah. in the midst of, like, every other chaotic thing yeah. that's happening. But that's, like, the surefire way to, like, make me care more yeah. about a ship is be like, oh, yeah, like, we used to be together, but now yeah. we're not. I'm like, well, whoa, 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 yeah. what happened that's there? That's the thing that makes me weak. It's the one that got away, fam. Yep. Like... Yeah. Very rarely will I be into a team adult ship where they first met. The exception, of course, is, I would say, Mulder and Scully, mm. um, Adama and Rosalind from Battlestar Galactica, which yeah. should should win every ship tournament that ever exists, and I do not want to hear other opinions. So, are you- Sorry. I'm not open to criticism. Just to clarify, because I think I missed the beginning of that sentence. You're saying these are these are ships in which they meet- a, Right at the beginning. Okay, gotcha. And you're like, oh, and then they have, like, a meeting chemistry. So that's, that's like- Yeah. Kate and Sawyer for me on Lost. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, Suliet. Yeah. Like, they all just, like, meet at the same time. Yeah. But, like, stuff like, um, even in Star Trek The Next Generation, it's the same shared history that FP and Alice have. Right. Except instead of sharing a child. Oh, just kidding. It's just Kane and Abby. <laughs> she has a child, and he's responsible for the child's father's death. Mm. I'm gonna explore that later. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, like, the immediate chemistry that they have when she walks into that police station. Or he walks into his office. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's like, she immediately starts, like, spouting off, like, things that we can't keep up with. Like, names that we don't know. And yeah. we're like, oh, shit. 
these two know each other. I love stuff like that though because it's like it's like we're meeting them for the first time and we're seeing them intersect for the first time but he literally walks in and she's like oh Hopper right? and you're like oh my god they, like there when there's already a relationship there yeah. you're like what's hap like what what was what's going on here? yeah what's uh what's the half year I love that type of thing when you first come into like even when even like those high school movies where like there's a new kid at school and they walk in and everything and then it's just like it's like okay so mean girls let's say mean girls Katie comes in and she immediately like she meets Janice but from like the first time that Janice and um, Damien talk, you already know what their relationship is. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. it's like it's they stuff feel like that. Married couple. Yeah, yeah. So we should probably get into what happens in the story. Sure. Like. Okay. So yeah. here's my recap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. So Will Byers goes missing. It's important, but we'll talk about that in a bit. In the morning, Joyce and Jonathan, Will's mom and brother, can't find him. Yo, Karen, you seen Will? No. Yikes. So Joyce goes to talk to known love of her life, police chief Jim Hopper, but he's like, listen, nothing happens in this town. I'm sure everything's fine. And Joyce says, have you seen Riverdale? Things happen in small towns, Jim. Oh my God. Hopper's like, okay, that's fair. So he's like, what about Will's dad? No way. Okay, maybe. She'll call him. In a flashback, Joyce comes to Castle Byers, Will's hideout, and tells him that they can go see Poltergeist and they are happy. Present time, Castle Byers is empty. After talking to our other main three characters, Hopper and his bros go to Mirkwood and find Will's bike. Joyce unsuccessfully calls Lonnie. Hopper is drawn in by the shed that Will went missing from. Search party time. Mr. Clark tells Hopper how great Will is. Turns out Hopper's daughter Sarah died a while ago. Joyce and Jonathan go through photos and Jonathan cries and feels bad. They choose a picture for his poster and they get a creepy phone call. Their phone gets electrocuted and goes dead. Oh, yikes. The thing that stood out to me immediately that I wanted to comment on was how much I liked how vulnerable they made Jonathan mm. without being any type of toxic. Totally. He was, he's just soft. Yeah. Jonathan, and, and he I gets... don't have that same opinion of Jonathan in season two, but mm. in Jonathan is season one, yeah. Yeah. So I think I was definitely team Jonathan in season one. Like, yeah. even though Jonathan does that creepy thing in which he, like, fully takes pictures of Nancy when she's, like, not even wearing that's a shirt. That's the thing that broke him for me. I was that's like, yeah, the, I'm done with you. Honestly, that's, like, the only thing that he does. And it's, like, pretty bad, but also yeah, that's it's, really like... Bad. But it's, like, it's kind of easy to just put in the back of your mind, even though, like, Because the really... show glosses over it. Exactly. And you're like, hey, that's not okay. We need to address this creepy thing he did. Yeah, like, really, um, I know that what Steve does is, like, a dick move, you know, like, breaking his camera, especially back in the 80s, it's really expensive, and, uh, uh so that's really sad Steve for him. Steve was justified in doing that. But, um, uh, you took pictures of us without us knowing that's kind of illegal. Yeah. Um, so. no, I'm definitely on Steve's team with that one. Yeah. And also, the the show goes to great pains to redeem Steve and make him pay for all of his mistakes. And he does. What does Jonathan? Jo Jonathan but it just happen. gets sympathy because he's like this misfit. It's mm -hmm. kind of like in Back to the Future when they kind of gloss over the fact that like Marty's dad is kind of a perv who right. like watches women undress while climbing in trees. Mm -hmm. So in the second one, they kind of have to like have Marty go, ugh, he's a peeping Tom, and, like, kind of, like, make it gross, but at yeah. the same time, it's, like, kind of a joke, and it's, yeah. like, that's not a joke, that's really gross. Yeah. That's how I feel about Jonathan. Mm -hmm. I'm, like, you're, you're a gross person. But knowing, you know, you see Jonathan throughout the season, and you're, like, this guy's a better person than Steve, until he, until Steve, like, figures himself out. Like, like, Steve, Steve is a good person, but his friends get projected onto him. I know and that we're not- I know no, that he just makes bad choices. Well, that's the thing is that it's because he's with his friends, Tommy H. and Carol, who are, like, the worst. And so then as soon as- after he stops making these decisions because mm -hmm. of Tommy H. and Carol, and he says to Tommy H. and Carol, you guys are the worst, you guys are kind of terrible people, then he's able to- repent and, and make up for 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 the things that he did. Anyway, we're talking about Jonathan though. So uh Whoops. we like that Jonathan is 
non-toxic until he's toxic. He's allowed to be just a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's, I don't know. He has a good mom who tries really hard and raises her boys to be, like, respectful. Yeah. Okay, so beginning this storyline here, we start with Hopper, I believe, um, and we see Sarah's drawing on the wall. And you know that it's Sarah's because that's his only daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we also learn that Sarah is dead, so that's probably one of the only um, drawings he has. But another kid that draws that is really um, significant is that Will, Will draws. Yeah. But you know it's not Will's drawing, especially when you're rewatching, because Will is supposed to be like a really talented artist. And he, like, when you see his drawings, you're like, those are pretty good. Like, this kid could be an animator at, at some point. Are you sure, like, Hopper's just not really bad at drawing and he was, like, wanted to display his own artworks? He was like, hey, this one's not bad. Could be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. One thing that I noticed is that uh, Hopper's shower is really short and I feel bad for him. What? Yeah. Like, his shower head yeah. is, like, fully way, like, under like, his chin. Like, at his, like, collarbone? That sucks. <laughs> That could wreck your back just by, ugh, that sucks. But it's like, that's a really good um, visual representation of where Hopper is in his life. Right. That like, nothing just fits properly. Yeah. And it's not until he gets caught up in this whole thing and becomes like a father figure and like falls in with these kids that things start to click for him. Yeah. Oh, we go to the buyer's house and I just wanted to, uh, Jonathan leaves the milk out. I'm like, just don't do that. Disrespectful. No, don't do that. Put that back in the fridge. Yo, those like paneled walls took me right back to my childhood. Mm. Oh, we had those at my house too. Yeah. At my, at my, um, my childhood home. Like, yeah, like laminate. Like, yeah. 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 Took me right back and I was like, hmm, terrible. Hmm. Gross. Hmm. Gross. Jonathan tries to make extra money for his family because, you know, he's kind of forced to be a sort of father figure in the house mm-hmm. because all they have is choice, really. And she and, has to work all the time. Yeah, and he gets reprimanded for it, and I just feel bad for him because he's just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. He's a good kid. Yeah. Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan's a good kid. Just in ultimately. Yeah. Mike puts syrup on his eggs. Nancy thinks it's gross, but it's actually pretty good. Okay, so Paul, do you think that's gross? Are you talking to me? Yes. No, it's it's great. Yeah, I think it's great too. This is a dissenting opinion. A lot of people are not down for this. Oh, I think it's great because, like, if you're like, ah, I'm not really a fan of egg taste, and you still need to eat eggs, put, put syrup some on syrup it. on it, and it's great. Some people are really not into that. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Okay, so Hopper goes into the precinct. Precinct. Yes. Yeah. Um, except it's like only them because it's a small town. Yeah. You know what's funny is that Hopper is so like and so unlike Tom Keller from Riverdale. Um, Like, they both are, like, the police chief slash sheriff of this small town that they are not prepared for this giant problem that happens. Mm -hmm. Gravely Um, unprepared. Yeah. uh, I don't know. That's it. I thought you were going to say he's kind of like Jake Peralta. Like, he's kind of like... He kind of has, like, that same chaotic energy where he's like, ah, I, no, no work right now. No mm. work right now. Like, mornings are for coffee and contemplation. Like, right. that's a big Jake Peralta thing. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to work That's yet. true. Yeah. But it's also very Gina. Yeah. Hitchcock and Scully. Hopper and Scully. <laughs> the word Scully. It all comes back to the word Scully. <laughs> so, is the chief allowed to be late? Because it seems like he's late all the time, and no one seems to care, like, that much. I think they, um... Let it slide because Nothing he lost his daughter mm-hmm. and it's a small town yeah. and there's just a lot going on. They mentioned that Phil Larson has gotten his gnomes stolen. Why would you even steal gnomes? What kind of hobby is that? On Lost, in a flashback, they steal gnomes to write uh, Cluck You out in, on somebody's lawn. That's a great reason to steal gnomes. Yeah. So that's all I can think of. Well, here's hoping that that's what someone did. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, Phil. 
so sorry that happened to you. Yeah, rip. Missing. The missing um, thing where uh, he comes into the office and Joyce is there. And then he writes missing on his, like, typewriter. Mm -hmm. That's a reference to Jaws. Oh! I read. Duh. (laughs) They mentioned that Will gets bullied and that his own father used to call him slurs. You know what slur he used to call him. She said the word. Yeah. But it's interesting to me that, like, this sort of thing happens. And then when we see Will, like, with his friends, like, especially in season two and stuff and and everything, like, that's that's never really brought up again. Oh, yeah, it's not. Like, it's just kind of, like, something that we learn in this. And then even we don't get Will hardly at all this season. So it's, like, hard to... I think it's a shortcut way to tell the audience that he's hashtag not like other boys. Yeah. You know, like, he's, he's softer, special. more vulnerable, yeah. and, like, not the idea of quote-unquote like masculinity or something like jonathan yeah like yeah jonathan's the same way he's not like he's not like other kids either like they're both they're weird they're weirdos they're weird they're weirdos um but i think it's kind of i don't like the way that the show uses like homosexuality as like a shortcut to like something that is not favorable you know something that would make a father reject their child even though it's clear that his child like at this point in time is not would you say that that is the show doing that or the show is doing that purposefully because it's the 80s no i don't think the show is smart enough to Mm. do it i think it's just like a quick way to communicate something by also using the time period yes gotcha and then they're like oh well you know it was the 80s people could say things like that and it's like well you could never say things like that yeah people just got away with it yeah um hopper mentions that an owl attacked eleanor gillespie's head and I got a little thing in um, from the Stranger Things wiki. Uh, just a little blurb here. Hopper's mention of Eleanor Gillespie is a reference to the Silent Hill games, which has a major character with the same uncommon last name, Alessa Gillespie. Alessa shares many similarities with Eleven in Stranger Things, as she too had a range of psychic powers, including telekinesis, levitation, and astral projection, and suffered an abusive childhood. This could lend support to the theory that the Upside Down is a projection of the darkness in Eleven's mind, like the titular location of the game became dark and twisted because of Alessa's imagination and fears. Oh my god. So that's serious. So do you think that is what the Upside Down is? Because that puts a lot of responsibility on Eleven. I also feel like that's a lot from the Silent Hill games that... I don't think they're. I don't think they're taking fully the Silent Hill games. No storyline, and you know? that would not make sense because Eleven's not like Eleven does have some measure of control, but that would mean that Eleven's mind is the thing that's torturing Will, and then that just begs the question of like why Eleven has it out for Will. Yeah, I'm not of the mind that that is exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just gonna go with no, not in my opinion. For this no, one. but the first part of it I really liked. Um, then we have a little flashback, and the password is Radagast, which I believe is from Lord of the Rings. I was right. He's one of the wizards sent to Middle-earth to contest the will of Sauron. He was mainly concerned with the well-being of the plant and animal worlds, and thus did not participate heavily in the War of the Ring. So that kind of makes sense, because Will is also not someone who fights. I'm trying to think of Radagast as that one guy from The Hobbit. Yep, that's, um, I want to say that's... Fifth Doctor? Sixth Doctor? The actor? Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. Yep. Seventh Doctor. I have to be honest, I don't know much about Lord of the Rings. I only watched the movies once through. So if anyone has any other insights to add to that being the password, please go ahead and and send us your thoughts. But just reading this little blurb here, it makes sense to me because Will is also a peaceful Mm -hmm. type of person who likes... I mean, it says plants and animals. It makes sense to me that this would potentially be Will's favorite character. And he's, like, um, a huge nerd. Yeah. Just like us. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, and then they say that, that he can go to Poltergeist. So there's a another um, thing from Stranger Things wiki here. In a flashback, Joyce surprises Will with tickets to Poltergeist, a 1982 horror film written by Spielberg. After Will's disappearance, Joyce can hear him in the walls and communicates with him through the lights, which was influenced by similar events in the film. Yep. She also mentions he used to be afraid of clowns, which probably references another of the Duffer Brothers 80s horror favorites, Stephen King's It. Yeah. Which is wonderful because then Finn Wolfhard gets to be in the movie. It, the Poltergeist, like that's the thing that I think influenced the show the most was Poltergeist. Then I love that they got to they got to put that in. Yeah, I love Poltergeist. I think it's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should ever be remade slash should never have been remade. It didn't need a sequel. It was just a perfect movie the first time. That's what what happened? What happens in it, please? So this family moves into a new house because their dad is like working on the development of it in this new neighborhood, and this little girl, Carol Ann kind of keeps like looking at like blank TVs with just static, but she can see something in it. And she kind of goes like, they're here. And like, is talking about like ghosts and stuff. And this family starts getting like these really scary things happening in the middle of the night, like big storms happening, like legs being grabbed, like clown dolls, like sort of like coming to life and scaring people. And it's a poltergeist and Carol Ann gets sucked into the upside down and her mom has to go into that area and pull her back out again. But while they're doing it, they have a medium come in and try to talk to Carol Ann like through the TV while she's lost in this like other realm. So like it basically she goes to the upside down. It's the plot of Stranger Things. Would you say that that movie was appropriate for 11 or 12 year old to go see? No! (laughs) So, hmm, Joyce. Absolutely not. Joyce, uh, choices. It wasn't appropriate, but, um, I like that she used it as a treat. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, I think that's cute. But, um, yeah, no, uh, that was barely appropriate for me when I saw it at, like, 15? Mm. God, that movie's scary. (laughs) Carol Ann! One of my favorite shots of the entire series is that shot, like, through Castle Byers, where, like, the wind is mm-hmm. moving around the, um, the, like, blanket that's in front of it, or, it, like, through the doorway, um, and you can see Joyce and Jonathan, like, yelling for Will. That's one of my favorite shots of the entire series. It's, like, a frame within a frame, and it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. Um, so I think they find his bike off of, uh... I think, okay, so Hopper goes to see, like, the kids, but that, that, we're gonna talk about that in the other storyline here, but, um, they go and they find his bike, and they're saying, like, he would not have left his bike, because it's, like, it's a huge deal to, like, kids. It's his one means of getting where he needs to Yeah, in the 80s, like, your bike is expensive, and it's, like, all you have. Especially in a small town, you can get wherever you want to go on a bike. Um, bikes aren't that expensive, even in the 80s. Oh. Just Still, we know that that Joyce and Jonathan are both yes, like, working yeah, really because hard. of their financial situation, it is an expensive investment. Yeah, so she call she tries to call Lonnie and she gets Cynthia. Ugh, Lonnie sucks. I literally, honestly, like love this this moment where where like Cynthia hangs up and she calls again and she's like, um, hi, some teenager. <laughs> just hung up on me but um <laughs> that was such a roast you yeah. know what that's what Lonnie deserved yeah true it I can't remember exactly who says it it might be Joyce says that Will had a key to get in mm-hmm. but to me when I was watching it this time it looked like the door was kind of just unlocked like when Will like ran up at the very beginning of the episode yeah well it, I mean that would make sense though because like Jonathan was still inside no Jonathan was at work oh that's right Jonathan. and that's why Joyce was mad do you think it's like maybe a hint towards something it could be if this if if this was like the first episode and then we hadn't seen the other ones but knowing that they're never gonna bring that back 
Oh yeah, goodbye. I don't know. Maybe maybe he just unlocked it real quick. But there you go. But like we didn't have a moment of him like fumbling with the keys, you know, like like it would be if it yeah, was he, actually yeah. Locked. He just kind of like went straight yeah. in. So I'm not sure. Hopper goes into the shed and he comes back out and Callahan says that like he was like calling for him, but he like couldn't hear him. So either Hopper was just kind of like you know in the zone looking at things, trying to figure things out, and he just didn't hear it, or, like, I wonder if it does something to the sound. I think, like, my theory always was that when Hopper walked into that shed, he was walking into the shed from the upside down. From the upside down? Yeah, I, like, to me, like, when he walks into that shed, it's not the right shed. It's the shed that, like, In, he, is yeah, inside. he's, like, down. sort of transported. Gotcha. And then when he comes back out again... He's back in, like, the regular world. Interesting. That's what I always kind of read it as. Um, so going to the part in which um, they're doing, like, their search party, we have Mr. Clark. So this is Scott Clark. And I love him. Do you remember after season one where someone, like, wrote a whole article about how Clark was the hero of the show? Um, no. Why? Because he, like, nurtured the kids, like curiosity and stuff yeah here give me one second mr clark the real hero of stranger things the rumpus.net uh this article is by stephanie garrison okay from 2016 so i believe that's after season one yes so yeah basically there was like this article that happened after season one of stranger things in which the person who wrote it who was stephanie garrison and they basically were saying that uh mr clark was like the hero of all of Stranger Things because he was like the epitome of a good educator and he was like unapologetically a nerd when it like wasn't really cool to be a nerd which is like also shown by Troy making fun of the kids and everything and they were able to like uh see him as a role model and like implicating that like he was the real hero of the whole show and not Eleven. You're right. Or sorry just straight up saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay so the second half of that article I really liked. The thing that I think is worth talking about in the first half is the projection that people do onto basic, un like, underdeveloped white male characters. Mm. Because this person has taken a minor character, mm. who is basically the epitome of a plot point, mm. and projected all of this stuff onto that person, to the point where this older white male character supersedes the actual young girl as the hero of the show. To me, that's, like, the epitome of, like, what bad nerd culture hot takes are all about which is taking the like the heroics away from women and giving it to this basic dude who got five minutes of screen time like i i am i'm infuriated by the implications of that article and the agency that it takes away from 11 and her entire journey because all this dude does is conveniently knows these things that the kids need to know because they need, like, they need the all-knowing, all-seeing eye in order to find stuff because they don't have the internet. He is, he is their equivalent of the internet. So, like, yeah, he's a good teacher and he does a good job and he does, like, epitomize, like, what a good educator is. That doesn't make him the real hero of Stranger Things. That, it barely makes him, a, like, a character. He's a plot device and that's it. That's so funny, because I remember when this article came out, everyone was like, yeah, totally. I hate it. Yeah. I, I really hate it. Like, makes sense. It is the straightest, like, whitest, like, male opinion that w did, was not written by a man. He likes things. He's a nerd. Yeah, so does every other nerd in nerd culture. Like, this is the thing. It's like, they were right about, like, the the progress of fandom and like how being a geek now is just like it, it's not even anything special it's just like yeah like that's just who yeah. you are but that storyline belongs to the kids that's not their teacher's storyline mm -hmm. 
Like, the five-second thing with him on the date, like, there's so much loaded into that scene that, like, this author gave that scene that wasn't there. So, yeah, what do you think made, like, what did Scott Clark, like, how, why did he decide to go talk to Hopper? I think he's just a friendly dude who saw, like, a law enforcement person and wanted to share information slash get information. Yeah. Yeah. That he knew, that he knew about. Yeah. Um, and so he's saying, like, oh, I didn't like science probably because you had a bad teacher, which is another thing that, the thing is, exactly. like, totally, you obviously did have a bad teacher. That's why I didn't, um, ever learn French. I had a, a French teacher that, um, totally, like, soured me on French and I never went, to, and I never tried to learn French again. Mm-hmm. Same thing with math for me. Yeah. His daughter died. Her name was Sarah, but he says that she lives somewhere else with uh, her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, my next question was like, why lie? But I think it's just because he just doesn't want to talk about it, and he, he doesn't want to see pity. Yeah, he exactly. doesn't want. He is a man who does not want to be pitied. That is so Hopper. Is that he would rather lie than than yep. talk about something that makes him upset yep. and would make someone pity him. So then we have you know the time, the stuff with the buyers. It's cry time for the buyers, and okay. Here's a big question of the episode, I think. Was the breathing on the phone Will? Yes. It sounded like him, didn't yeah. it? I because it's the poltergeist thing, right? That happened with the phone? Through the through the TV. Oh. You can hear your child but can't get to them. Through technology. Yes. And both of these things also were set like around in the eighties, yeah. right? So Poltergeist was I think the seventies? I just, just said poltergeist. Poltergeist? Oh, that's scary. Because <laughs> geese are really scary. But like back when technology was still kind of new. Mm-hmm. And so they, so it's made to be kind of scary. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's all I have for that storyline. Uh, here is my recap for the final storyline. I'm ready. Hello to Mike Wheeler, Lucas Sinclair, Dustin Henderson, and of course, Will Byers. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons. They encounter the Demogorgon, but are forced to disperse because Karen. Will tries to bike home, but gets scared and ditches his bike. He runs home, but the monster is still after him. He tries to hide in the shed and shoot the thing, but he gets taken. At school the next day, Will's friends are confused that he's not there. Meanwhile, Nancy and Steve have a rendezvous in the bathroom. After class, the kids learn that Mr. Clark's radio machine thing came in. Unfortunately, they can't check it out because Hopper has come to question them about Will's disappearance. Hopper's like, don't go looking for him, that's my job, but they do anyway. Karen tells them that they can't leave the house until Will is found and everyone's pissed. Steve tries to sneak into Nancy's room. He tries to get with her, but she just wants to study, and good guy Steve respects consent. While they're out searching in the rain, they come across Eleven. Ah! Wow. Well, that's really the whole thing, isn't it? That's that's that storyline, yeah. Okay, there was one point, but I need you to jog my memory about in your recap. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was um, the idiocy of um, Will ditching his bike. Mm. Why would you ditch your bike? Well, I think, like, if I remember correctly, the monster is, like, pretty freaking close to him. So he doesn't really have time to scramble with his bike, scramble with the pedals and stuff. And I think he's, like, pretty close to his house now anyway. That he just, Oh, like, okay, 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 okay. That's what I think. All right. That's as good a theory as any. Yeah. There it is. Okay, so there's a lot of E.T. references. Yes. That's the main one. Many aspects of the opening of the episode are influenced by Steven Spielberg's 1982 film E.T. So another Spielberg. This whole thing, I think that's why people love Stranger Things so Mm -hmm. much, is it's very, like, the golden age of Steven Spielberg. Right. E.T. the extraterrestrial. The opening scene of Stranger Things starts with the camera panning down from the sky, just like the opening of E.T. Also, the main characters in the film play Dungeons and Dragons and and order pizza at the beginning of the film, which helped popularize the game in the 80s. The Duffer Brothers stated that the scene where Will Byers goes into the shed is a blatant homage to E.T. in which the main character goes into the shed and makes first contact with the titular character. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, look up the Demogorgon. That's what I wanted to do. Demogorgon is a deity or demon associated with the underworld and envisaged... Envisaged? Envisaged? Envisaged. 
Ooh, it's a big word. As a powerful primordial being whose very name had been taboo, like Voldemort. Yeah. Although often ascribed to Greek mythology, the name probably arises from an unknown copyist's misreading of a commentary by a 4th century scholar. The concept itself, though, can be traced back to the original misread term. Okay, whatever. But what is it? Holy crap. Okay, so Demogorgon isn't just a game of a Dungeons and Dragons thing. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was too. It doesn't look like it is though. Oh. And even in Dungeons and Dragons, Demogorgon appears as the name of a demon prince. Okay. So a dro- Demogorgon isn't a creature? I guess not. Hmm. In Moby Dick, the first mate of the s- ship, Starbuck, <laughs> describes the white whale as the Demogorgon of the ship's heathen crew. Okay. Um, it's also a, a character in Prometheus Unbound. Is the offspring of Jupiter and Thetis who eventually dethrones Jupiter. It is never mentioned whether Demogorgon, which is a name, I guess, portrayed as a dark, shapeless spirit is female or male. The theory of Demogorgon's name originating from Greek, Demos and Gorgos, may be the foundation for its use in this text as an allusion to a politically active and revolutionary populace. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> so they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. I think it's pretty clear, but what does it say about Will? That he chooses Fireball rather than Protection. Actually, that says a lot about Will. Because here's the thing, is that, like, he doesn't choose Protection and therefore nope. the Demogorgon gets him. You know, yep. like, that's what the the whole um, metaphor really is. Yep. But I believe it's Lucas who's saying Fireball and Dustin who's playing Protection. Yeah. I don't know. Just but like, that what makes perfect say? sense for Dustin. Oh, totally. I'm just picturing him in those little hockey pads going, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> I love him so much, you know? Yeah. That kid is my son. He is. Mm-hmm. I think it says, like, the problem is we haven't really gotten to know Will. It's been two seasons and I still can't tell you a lot about Will. And even half of season two, he's not, obs- he's possessed. Yeah, like, it's not him. Yeah. So, but I think it says, like, that he's proactive, he's kind of fighty, he's willing to stand up for his friends, like, things like that. Things that I think also, like, Eleven embodies. I think him choosing Fireball also can mean that, like, he's willing to sacrifice himself to save everybody else. Yep. Uh, my next note is that Ted Wheeler sucks. Why, why, like, I love the hilarity of him because, like, he's so obviously useless. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, God, you're useless. Mm -hmm. Like, she might as well be a single mom. Yeah. Thank you. Karen Wheeler deserves better. Yeah. And not a teenage boy. God, that's weird. Karen Wheeler deserves... Who's Karen Wheeler, even? Like, I don't even... Like, we hardly see her throughout the series. And then the only time that she gets, like, something, like, kind of big is that thing with Billy, which is gross because Billy's fully a teenager. Um, I preferred, um, when she was playing Martine on Person of Interest and she was fully, like, a badass MILF assassin. Thanks so much. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to watch Knight Rider. From the wiki, this episode- or wait, I think this is actually from You don't know what Knight Rider is, do you? It's a show. But, like, do you know what it's about? No. Oh my god. This episode begins with the date of November 6th, 1983. Whoops, I've been asking about 1986 this whole time. I thought you were doing that on purpose. Beyonce was only two. Guy Fieri was 16! <gasps> he can date Nancy! Oh my god. Okay, first of all, Gancy is real. Second of all, I thought for some reason, like, in my head there was, like, a time jump, and that's why you were doing 1986? No. I was trying to find logic for your mistake. What a good friend I am. You're the best. Thank you. Wait, Guy Fieri is 15. Could still date Nancy. They're, like, fully in the same school. I love that for them. Honestly, like, we don't even have to finish this podcast. Like, we <laughs> peaked at, like, 30 minutes in. Yeah. Which was a Sunday. When the boys are finished their D&D game, Mrs. Wheeler says it's a school night, and Mike says they have been playing for 10 hours, which also indicates that it was a Sunday. 
For a brief second, Mike's father is shown trying to improve reception on the TV, to which an episode of Knight Rider 1982 can be seen. In the fall of 1983, Knight Rider was on its second season, and indeed the appearance of Kit's voice box seen on the TV appears to confirm a second season episode is showing. However, the dialogue barely heard does not appear to come from season two, episode seven that aired that night. The fact that they got so close to having more details and then, like, biffed it right on the final, like... I don't know, sport, insert sports metaphor here. Yeah. Oh! Yeah. So close. Okay, yeah. Here's another thing. Is that Will rolled a seven, which mm-hmm. is not very good because it's a 20-sided die. And seven is also like a super cursed number. Right. But Lucas tells Will to just lie to Mike and tell him that they didn't find it and then he'll have to roll again next time. You know I what I mean? Lucas. That kid, I just like, I get that kid. You know? But Will is Will the Wise and he's honest he's to Mike. He's honest. He's honest to Mike anyway. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, that tracks with Will and Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas is like, um, hello, don't want to do dangerous things, not happy, don't leave me out of stuff. Opportunistic. I'm Lucas. Hmm. I get him. <laughs> if, like, if you were a mix of any of the kids, which kids would you be? I think I am Dustin and Mike. Okay. And I'm Dustin and Lucas. Hmm. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. If I'm not Mike... I could, I, I'm either Dustin or Mike, Dustin and Mike, or Dustin and Max. I love Max. I know. Okay, this, I don't know what to talk about this, but the only note I have is Dustin and Nancy pilot versus season two finale. Oh boy. She's so mean to him, he's just offering her pizza. Yeah, he's like, hey, do you want pizza? And she's like, um. I'm trying to talk know. to Barb. Okay, here's the thing. Do you think Dustin has like, he does he have a crush on her? I can't remember. I, it was, I didn't think that he did. So I you never think he was th- just like trying to be friendly. I think he was trying to be friendly. He was like, "Who's left here that would want this piece of pizza?" Nancy, let me ask her. And then she was mean. I I really I didn't see her dancing with him at the end of season two. Her being like, "Well, I guess I'll dance with this kid because he's liked me so much." I really. Oh saw- no, who? No, I I'm literally just talking about did Dustin have a crush on her in the pilot? Oh, I not any farther. Than I that. personally didn't see that, but I guess I see how people would think that. I like, but I like the more like. N- non-traditional idea of him just like wanting to be like hey do you want this pizza that's what i always thought he's just a kind kid he's just a nice kid okay yeah yeah, yeah. i like that better because i remember seeing people talking about like oh like dustin obviously has a thing for nancy and i was like ew. yeah i don't think he did the thing about shipping on stranger things is like it's fine if you do it but like i'm a 30 year old lady yeah and i don't do that kind of thing i know because you're like oh my god i'm 11 and like you see like mike's face when he sees her for the first time it's like really sweet to watch it's so sweet and you're like ugh. but then when they kiss you're like okay these are children though no, but it's, like, the same thing where, like, and I had this problem with the Glee fandom, too, where, like, people would be writing, like, really, like, explicit fic and, like, stuff like that. Even things with Riverdale. And I'm, like, you know, teenagers doing these things, like, it's fine. Like, they're exploring, like, things their own age. But when it's, like, grown adults doing mm-hmm. it, it does make me uncomfortable right. a little bit. And that's what I have to say on that. Okay. So when they're going home, Will wins X-Men 134. So from the wiki... When Will beats Dustin in their bike race, he demands Dustin's X-Men 134. The comic was released in 1963 and featured the Phoenix Saga, in which a telekinetic Dark Phoenix teams up with the X-Men to defeat the villain Mastermind by pinning him to a wall with her powers, much like Eleven does to the monster in Chapter 8. Cool. There's so many, like, little Easter eggs to how the whole show is going to unfold. Totally. Uh, When Will is driving, his bike light turns on and off. So just, like, the significance of lights and how the Demogorgon can change the lights. Do you think the light, like, spells out any kind of, like, Morse code? Ooh. Um, it's pretty quick. Okay. So if it's anything, like, 
I don't know. Wouldn't it be cool if it was run? That would be amazing. But I feel like if it was, somebody would have figured it out. Before. Yeah, it was like it, people would be like, "Oh my god, this means something." Yeah. Yeah. My next note was they leave their house unlocked? Question mark. Which we kind of already talked about. Will talks on the phone, but it doesn't electrocute him. I don't think it wants to electrocute him. Yeah, I mean, no one's in there yet for him yeah, to talk yeah, to. Yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't want to go down there. It just doesn't want the phone to work. Yeah. Course. So, like, once again, that's another thing about technology just kind of being scary. What happens to their dog? I feel like we see him for, like, the first three episodes and then we never see him again. Like, like... Oh my god! We never see the dog again! Like, we, we know what happens to Muse in season two, but, like, they have that whole thing at the end of season one where they, like, put bear traps on the ground and set things on fire like in their actual house where's the dog dude i don't like this i want to see if i'm missing anything okay. let me check chester deceased did i miss something when will came home after running away from the mysterious creature chester greeted him ecstatically when a tall figure appeared behind the front door chester barked at it indicating how he saw it as a threat when chief hopper was searching the buyer's house for clues his attention was drawn to chester barking at the shed hopper asked if his behavior was normal but joyce dismissed it as hunger Chester later watched as Joyce hung Christmas lights around the house in order to communicate with Will. It later visited Castle Byers on the day of Will's funeral. On Christmas Eve, Chester snatched and ate some raw meat off the counter while the buyers were not looking. Why does it say deceased? While the dog has not been referred to by name in the show, in the original script, uh, its name is Chester. David Harbour has stated that the dog was one of the worst actors to work with, even making him storm off set on one occasion. Why does it say deceased? Probably because, like, they decided to, like, write him off. What happened to him? Oh, apparently Noah spoiled that Chester is dead and we will see his grave in season three. What the heck? Well, I'm glad that they brought him up because I was like, where the heck is he? Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I f***ing forgot they had a dog. Yeah, because he fully wasn't in season two. Also, imagine storming off set because of a dog. <sighs> I'd be like, oh my god, a dog. Okay, well, I'd like still like to know how the dog died. Um, okay. Bear trap? Question mark, question mark, question mark? Maybe. I hope not. Because it says that he he stashed some raw meat. So I hope that that's how he died. Like, I hope that he got sick from the meat and then just died instead of, like, something terrible happening to him, like Muse. Uh, okay, next question. Will fully knows how to load a gun? Didn't they say something about... It's the 80s! Yeah, I feel like it's just, like, one of those things, like, from, like, classic 80s movies is, like, the kid learns how to use, like, a BB gun. If I remember correctly, I think Joyce says that, like, Lonnie always tried... And maybe this is Jonathan also. I can't remember, but says that Lonnie always tried to get Will to do manly things. So maybe that's something that Lonnie taught him to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it is like one of those 80 things with like father-son bonding sessions. It's like, ooh, like guns and BB guns and shit. And I'm like, ew. Play catch. <laughs> yeah, like go play catch instead. Um, okay. This is one that I don't think we'll find an answer to, but that's okay. How do you pull people into the upside down? What do you mean? Like, how do- Yeah, how- how did the de Demogorgon do it or whatever? Like, like, it seems like Will just kind of disappears, and it seems like Barb kind of just disappears, like, like- I don't know. I think it cr can create a portal. Yeah, okay. I think it, like, one of the Demogorgon's powers is that it can manifest a portal to pull people through it. Because it's clear that there's also other ways of getting there, you know? But it's, like, just the Demogorgon that can just, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. I think okay. the demo part, like, part of the Demogorgon's thing is, hey, I get prey, I bring back. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the Demogorgon just appears where portals already are and we just don't see them. Oh, okay. Because, like, the garage was kind of turned into one. Right. Right? Right. So they're like, where's Will? And they're like, he must have gone to class early. So it seems like he, like, often does that. Yeah. So that's just another, like, example of him being, like, one of the... Kind of a nerd. Yeah, he's smart. Okay, so we have two teacher names. In middle school, there's a teacher named Gursky. Um, and all I can really find about that is a German photographer. It must be someone's teacher, like, so, an Easter egg. From yeah, it's probably somebody else's teacher. Like, someone on the writing the staff. Brothers, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then in high school, there's a teacher named Kaminsky. Which you watch a crap about. Because it sounds like Kaminsky. Yes, it does. 
an American professional basketball player. So that's probably just a, that's probably another yeah. Easter egg from somebody else. Troy, the bully. Bolton? No, the bully. Oh, okay. Calls uh, Lucas Midnight because racism. Mm-hmm. Calls uh, Finn, oh, sorry, Mike. <laughs> Uh, frog face calls. Look like a frog. Okay, he counts. <laughs> um, calls Dustin toothless. What's Will's? I wonder. Ooh, tiny. No, that's just nice. Yeah, I know. I really like when show. Okay, I'm uh, sorry. I'm back to the high school now. Okay. I like when shows do things. I feel like when you call, I, I don't know how to say this. I have no idea what you're talking about. Ethel says Tommy H and Carol. I just love. Sorry, what did you just say? Barb. What did I say? <laughs> Ethel. <laughs> Barb. You just pulled a me. I it's okay. Oh god. Well, it's because I also wrote Ethel sucks up here. <laughs> um, the character of Ethel in Riverdale sucks. Yeah, she does, and I hate her. But she, Barb, calls them Tommy H and Carol, and I just love when shows call people like. Tommy H and stuff yeah, like that because details. It, it brings me back to elementary school when there was like more than one Megan in my class and it was like Megan D and Megan like you know I'm um, Brittany HR we had um Olivia's we had an Olivia L and Olivia M and everything I'm currently reading to all the boys I loved before and like that whole series um and sometimes they still call Peter Peter K oh I love that like I love stuff like that yeah. it's just like it once again implies a history. Yeah, it, cre- it makes the world a little bit richer and more yeah. believable. Yeah, like in high school they don't call people like that, but in elementary school they do. You know what I mean? So it just like, yeah. In high school I definitely did because there were two Britneys in my English class so mm. we just made people call us Britney 1 and Britney 2. Which one were you? It's Britney 2. Yeah. <laughs> so Nancy and Steve are making out in the bathroom. It's, uh, I think we figured out it's the girls' bathroom. Yes. Steve, get out. Yeah. Uh, thanks, just get out of the bathroom. Steve says he's like a ninja. Which is brought up later this episode, and I believe is brought up at some point in season two as well. He very boldly thinks of himself this way, and I'm yeah. like, mm, are you? I feel like after he, like, defeats some demodogs, he's like, oh, like, like a ninja. He's, he's like, I have earned my ninja status. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, that's not how that works. Back in middle school, the kids go up to Mr. Clark, and they go and look at his, like, radio whole thing. Um, and it's like, oh my god, I can go all the way to Australia. And of course, these children are actors, mm-hmm. and so they can do Australian accents that are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. I feel like actual, like, 11 and 12-year-olds can't do Australian accents as well as they can. I can't even do an Australian accent. Hello, this is Mike Wheeler. Yeah, you're an idiot. Like, it's annoying because you have a good Australian accent. This is Dustin. Do you eat kangaroos for breakfast? Oh my god. <laughs> I can't do any of that. You can do it. This is Mike Wheeler. I can't do that. Try. This is Mike Wheeler. This like, is it's Wheeler. Bad. Wheeler. Like, it just ends up being, like, British. <laughs> this is Mike Wheeler. Mike Wheeler. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hello, say, this is Mike Wheeler. Say peanut butter. Peanut butter. Can you say hot dog? Hot dog. Yeah, it's a little British. Hot. I can, I, uh, uh, New York. Yeah. White dog. New Jersey. White dog. Yes! <laughs> the slight difference there was amazing. Hot dog. Hot dog. This is Mike hot Wheeler. Hot dog. This is Mike Wheeler. This is a dumb podcast. Yeah. So the police come to talk to the kids. Um, and they're like, he lives on Mirkwood. And they're like, what's Mirkwood? Girl, it's a small town. You don't know the streets in your town? You're the police. I think we were watching it and we were like, oh yeah, I don't know all the streets in my town. Like, that's fine. They're the police, though. But didn't they say that they named the street Mirkwood and that's not really the name? I feel like that is its name. No, the kids made up the name Mirkwood. You're right, you're right. Nickname, it says. Yeah. 
located where the roads Cornwallis and Curly meet. So why doesn't it have a street name? That's what I'm wondering. Like, they live in a house that doesn't have a street name? How far outside of the town are they? Ooh, I just found a thing on the wiki. It is in close proximity to both the Byer house and the Harrington house, which is where so, Barb went missing. So if they're in close proximity, why doesn't it have a friggin' street name? Yeah, with only a forest separating them. I didn't know Harrington, the Harrington house was close only to Only a the, forest? Yeah. Hmm. Which is where Barb went missing. So, like, it's like, this forest is spoopy. Get away from there. Spoopy! Oh, Cornwallis and Curly is a real intersection in Durham, North Carolina, the hometown of the Duffer Brothers. Oh, that's cool. The name Mirkwood originates from a forest in Old Norse mythology where it was... Oh, bitch, I can't say that word. Do you know what this accent over the O means? What does that say? <laughs> Merkvire? Like, Vior? Oh, Vior! Merkvior? It means dark wood or black forest, inspired by the mythology. Merkwood is also a forest in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, where the character Legolas originated. It also- it used to be called Greenwood the Great before it was taken over by the evil necromancer Sauron. It's from The Hobbit, not from Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit! The boys have such- oh, I wrote, the boys have such completely different personalities and energies. Shout out to the writers. It's easy to just be like, these are 12 year old boys. Yep. Boy, boy, boy. They're yep. 12 year old boys, you yep. know? But they're all so different. And so like they contrast each other. It's really they're not, cool. They have absolutely no stereotypes attached to them in terms of like who they should be as teenagers. Yeah. They're, they're all like complex right off the bat. Yeah. And I would die for all of them. <laughs> Nancy is, uh, tries to lie to her parents and say that she's at Barb's and not hanging out with Steve. Hmm. I get it. That's a teenage girl thing to do. Yeah, but it's like, you know, no. You get away with stuff like that. Yeah. Because it's like your parents are just like, I'm tired and I'm not questioning it. Please yeah. be studying. And like, it's Nancy. So of course her parents are going to assume that she's studying. Yeah. But then Mike tells about Steve. Whoops. Oops. If I was Nancy, I'd be pissed. That's a secret. If I was Karen, I'd be angry that my daughter wasn't being upfront with me. Right. It's hard. Like, you know, I get everybody's, um, but if I'm Mike, I want to annoy my sister. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I definitely would be like, hey, I'm freaking ratting on you and, um, tough luck. And if I'm Ted. How did Mike know? Mike? He don't, he, of course he knows. How? Like, I feel like he has heard about it. Okay. Also, but this is before he, like, sees Steve going up to his room. Or going up to Nancy's room. Exactly. So, uh, Mike uses walkie-talkies with Lucas, but Dustin is too far away to use walkies. Do you think he has walkies with Will? Yes. We know that Dustin does have a walkie in season, uh, in season yeah, two, he though. Yeah, one. Yeah, so, um. I think they got, like, two two-packs. Steve climbs in Nancy's window because. Romance. He's a ninja. Yeah. Yeah. Steve wants to play strip studying, um, which he just ew. made up. He's a teenager. I take your ew and I raise you. He didn't make her. That's like, congratulations. You've just named the bare minimum. For no, me. I know. But like, he brought it up and she said no. And then he was like, ah, we'll see. And then he does it. And then, but then she, she says no again. And he just doesn't, and then he doesn't. Yeah. There, I mean, there definitely is a difference between like him being kind of, he's like, he's a nasty boy, yeah. but he's not like, ew, he's nasty. Yeah. You know? like, he's like, he's nasty like Kermit, Jenna Marbles' dog is nasty. Like, this is season one, Steve, too. Like, yeah. you're not supposed to like, like Steve, Steve right now, but I do respect the fact that he's not just like, I said we're playing strip studying and yeah. like, started taking things off her, you know? It's kind of like, I mean, again, that's like, you know, the bare, the bare minimum. minimum. But like, it's kind of like he's Han Solo before he meets um, Leia yeah. and Luke. And like, all of a sudden, everyone realizes he's actually a huge dork. And it just was like, full of bravado to like, hide the fact that he was a huge dork. And then he falls for a pretty girl. This is literally the same plot line. Okay, shout out to what my favorite line award is going to be, which is her saying, 
my parents are here. Like, we can't do this. And he says, that's weird. I don't see them. <laughs> He's such an idiot. You're an idiot, Steve Harrington. I love, your Steve bias is so obvious. I, that's fair. I would, Steve, it's like season two, Steve, die for. Yeah. Season one, Steve, I'm like, you can have my time of day after you clean up the thing on the marquee. I'm trying to, I know that there are good things about Steve at the beginning, and so I'm just trying to find them. Okay. That's basically what I'm trying to do. Well, also acknowledging that he was also garbagey. Fully. And like I said in the preview, if you guys haven't checked out our preview, it's the episode right before this where we kind of just talked about um, our our likes about the show, um, how we feel about season one versus season two, about different characters. Yeah, exactly. And what I said in there was basically that I'm not going to pretend that I loved Steve from the beginning. I only loved Steve in season two. And that's what they meant for me to do. Yeah. And I'm just trying to go back and, yeah, like I said, I'm just trying to go back and try and find things to like about him now. Here's another fun fact that we had on, I think, the IMDb. The scene where the three boys pull up to the edge of the woods at night with their bikes is a reference to the scene in The Goonies, when the boys first pull up outside the Fratelli's hideout on their bikes. The music is almost identical as this, as is the conversation. Holy crap. Have you seen The Goonies? Yeah. I have haven't. You, not, you haven't seen The Goonies? No. Oh. That was ten years before I was born. That- that was also before I was born, but yeah. I still I've still seen the Goonies, so I don't know if like that's something like really relevant. I think it. I, anyway, I, I've um, seen a lot of old movies though. The Goonies is great, and um, I've seen Singing in the Rain. Okay, so why haven't you seen the Goonies? I was forced to watch Singing in the Rain in film school. Oh yeah, movies that you're forced to watch, you never think of the same again. I still liked it. Okay, we're gonna watch Goonies because it's it's basically Stranger Things. And if you're out here shipping Malevin, what a meat cute. <laughs> She's right! <laughs> you know, she's like, oh my god, you found me here in, like, just an oversized t-shirt. Hmm. He's like, what the heck, I'm looking for my friend. What a meet cute. Um, she's so cute and sweet. That's it, that's and all I got. also badass and terrifying. Mm. Wow, we did it. Do you have anything else? No. Okay, sweet. Now it's time for segments. My first segment is Good Guy Steve Alert. Respects consent. Congratulations. Yeah. Do I have a segment? Oh, mine wasn't, which Bil- MILF is the most badass, right? Because there's a couple. There's like two MILFs. There's two MILFs. There's, that's it. So it's always just going to be Joyce. No, sometimes Karen. Karen doesn't do anything. Yeah, but she's beautiful. That doesn't make her badass. Fine. I don't have a segment. Okay. My first segment is Good Guy Steve Alert. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he respects consent, which is like, once again, the bare minimum. Yeah. But you can't ask for everything from teenage boys, you know? But you should. But you should. As a society... We should. Now it's time for our best line award. My best line goes to Nancy and Steve for... Steve, what's Steve gone? What? Are you crazy? My parents are here. That's weird. I don't see them. And my- <laughs> that's one of the... Stupid. Dude, that's a great joke. Stupid. Steve that's is funny. See them? Yeah. And mine, of course, goes to Hopper for, like, probably the most iconic line, which is... Mornings are for coffee and contemplation. So before we do our outro right here, we just wanted to let you know how this is kind of going to go. As you may know, season three comes out on July 4th. Um, We didn't think that we had enough time to finish season one and season two before that time. So we are going to be doing all of season one before season three comes out. And then after season three comes out, we will do season two with um, the knowledge of also season three. Which is going to be more fun. Yeah. So this episode goes out on January 31st. You might know this because it is after January 31st when you're listening to it. Um, What's up? What was the rest of January like? Yeah, I wonder. How'd you guys do? And we will be uploading every three weeks after that. Um, So the finale of season one should go up one week before season three comes out. Oh, we love timing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, please enjoy that. And if you want these early, then go ahead and join our Patreon. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, please write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey that is always in the description. Uh, it's basically just about um, stuff that you like about the podcast, something that we could work on. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, like, feel free to tell us if we should be, like, I don't know, less annoying. Yeah. Don't Talk about Guy that. Fieri so much. Yeah, I was gonna- I don't know, I'm just saying what they might be thinking. First of all, I want to say, for the record, that Guy Fieri is my hero. Uh-huh. Second of all, I want to say, for the record, that we got through a whole podcast without mentioning a drag queen. That's so true. You're welcome. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Our minds. Yeah. And third of all, I don't remember what I was gonna say. How about you, um, talk about Riverdale? Oh, yeah, if you enjoy Riverdale, as we mentioned before, we have a podcast about that. We've covered season one, season two. We're in the middle of a truly chaotic season three. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what's going to happen next? But if you'd like to join us on that ride, um, just like hop on SoundCloud, iTunes, stuff like that. I'm, I'm still talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, and related, uh, if you're a fan of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, another Netflix show, we are talking about that on the same feed as Riverdale, so you can uh, check that out the same place that Riverdale is found. If you're a fan of The 100, which, I mean, like, we are, because we have a podcast about it, um, we covered season four, season five, we just did Unity Days, which is a convention up here in Vancouver with the cast, I met Paige Charco, it's like this whole thing. Um, and we're gonna cover season six, so, um, come join us if you like that show. Yeah. And uh, if you're a fan of Lost, we'd like to talk about that show, too. We're going back from the beginning for that one, and it's no spoilers until the spoilers at the end. Um, so basically, if you're watching- <laughs> It's well, no spoilers until spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you can watch it and then listen to it as you're watching along for the first time, if you want. And then there's, like, yeah, the spoiler section is at the end so that you can just, like, leave before then. Yeah. Um, we did season one. We're in the middle of season two right now. So, yeah, that would be great. Check it out. Yeah. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because um, this stuff is uh, expensive. So expensive. So expensive. Uh, you can follow at theaficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Abertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. Uh, join us for our next episode, which is episode 102, The Weirdo on Maple Street. Yeah, um, it's kind of like not totally said whether Mike lives on Maple Street or not, but that's kind of like implied, and The Weirdo is 11. Hey, is it me or is like The Weirdo on Maple Street like a great description of a Canadian? Yeah, that is great. It's like us. <sighs> okay, love, love you, you, bye! bye. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> You go first. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. <laughs>